Welcome and hear, hear. This is Hear, Hear, my audiobook podcast. I'm Dan Masterton, and I'm reading to you from my fiction story, What There Is to Be Done. I'm excited to share this with you one chapter at a time. If you're interested in getting your hands on a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. If you're interested in reaching out, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter at thisladdan, or drop an email to dmastert at alumni.nd.edu. All right, you hit play, so it's time to hear here. If you're driving or running or working, I'm glad to be along with you. Maybe grab a drink later? If you're somewhere safe, raise a glass and toast a blessing to our Catholic schools, our students and teachers, and our imperfect but faithful endeavor to teach the faith. I'll join you. Here, here. Cheers and enjoy. Coming through the door, Teresa first saw Francis. Francis had just finished chatting with the athletic director, who was now headed back to his office. Before Francis turned to head to hers, too, she greeted Teresa. Good morning, Mrs. Akutis. How are you today? Teresa appreciated the consistent courtesy and intentional attention from her boss. Maria was still pinballing around Teresa's mind so Teresa didn't want to fully describe the slippery slope she thought she was seeing, but also didn't want to lie to Francis. Gotta keep learning the ropes, getting used to processes, learning how to support and walk with people, Teresa explained, letting her eyes get a little big and her breaths get a little deeper for a moment. Well, I believe you will get it and do it well. Got every bit of faith in your abilities and your feel, Francis affirmed. Thank you, Teresa replied, smiling at what was a genuine compliment. How are you? I'm alright. It's been a pretty normal day so far and I don't take those for granted. It's nice when the world rotates smoothly on its axis once in a while, Francis laughed. Please do let me know if you need anything, really. Teresa smiled. Truth be told, she was still a little sour to Francis for the last-minute change to her job for this year. For the most part, Teresa's lingering frustrations were with it, not her. She was bothered that the process was so bumpy and protracted that her adjustment came so late in the game. It still felt abrupt and even disrespectful. For the most part, Teresa had managed to find empathy for the difficult position Francis and the leadership team were in. Nonetheless, she still assigned a bit of fault to her boss for the manner in which it all happened. The slow timeline, the apparent indecisiveness, and the sudden way in which Teresa went from thinking everything was fine and status quo to learning that major problems had been festering that would end up greatly impacting her. Overall, though, this was a fairly small amount, and it barely, if at all, precluded Teresa from respecting and appreciating Francis on the whole. The thing that really lingered, not so much as an open wound, but as an unsolved mystery, was the way that Francis seemed to have undersold the magnitude of Teresa's last-minute adjustment. Teresa felt it was a major, extraordinary course change that was dumped on her, and she was hurt that Francis did not offer any apology for it. On some level, Teresa understood that she was an employee, that Francis was a supervisor, and that jobs ebb and flow in a way that may or may not be smooth or welcome by the workers. But Teresa felt this change happened in a way that warranted some remorse, some amount of apology, especially in the context of a Catholic school. And she thought that Francis, as a faith-filled, empathetic person, would recognize that and act accordingly. Yet no apology or expression of sorrow was shared. Teresa couldn't figure out if Francis had a different calculus for measuring what had happened, or if, in her sometimes clumsy or under-perceptive demeanor, she had simply just not thought to do it. No matter the backstory, Teresa was hurt, and it hurt Teresa more to know, or at least strongly believe, that Francis didn't realize she had hurt Teresa. These regular offers to let me know if you need anything sounded authentic, 
but further suggested to Teresa that Francis didn't think anything was wrong. It felt passive and generic. So to this offer on this day, Teresa simply replied, Thank you, I will. It was almost certain that the book was closed on that major conversation, and if Teresa wanted to address it, she'd need to reopen the case and bring it back up directly. Maybe sometime down the line. Today was not the day, and now was not that time. For now, Teresa just continued on over to her office. As she walked in, she took a moment to admire, for the upteeth time, the checkerboard of photos and club shirts, and the meeting table and chairs. She could reaffirm to herself that she had made a space that could help her work efficiently as well as host students pastorally. She pulled her laptop out of her bag and opened it on her desk. For now, her brain dump checklist from classroom teaching was set aside, and it was time to dig into her student life work. The top app open on her screen was her internet browser, logged into her personal email, with her work email program open just behind it. She waited for her computer to latch onto the Wi-Fi and populate her inboxes. Before she switched over to her work inbox to suss out her new tasks to tackle, her personal email showed a new message that brought a smile, and most delightfully, no additional work-connected stress. A few weeks back, she had spiritual direction with Duke. It was well-timed since she was fairly fresh off the other duties as assigned by principal conversation. At the end of their session, when he would usually assign her spiritual homework, he instead shifted out of their more intentional conversation. Teresa, I'm bummed, but this is going to be our last session, Duke shared. Teresa's eyebrows raised and a half a frown crept onto her face. It's my wife's job. She got an offer of a great promotion that she's been hoping for, but it requires a transfer. So we need to relocate, and the move's got to be quick. We're crunched with packing, listing our house, getting our new place sorted out, and everything like that in these next couple weeks, and then we're gone, he explained. Well, I'm very excited for her, and so appreciative that you would share all that with me. Congratulations to you guys, Teresa said with genuine gratitude, but not excitement. Duke was a good balance to her as a director, and she already felt lost about how she could find someone who fit as well. By the time we'd be meeting again, I'll already be gone, but I hate having to bail on you so abruptly. I don't want to offer remote sessions since I'm not sure what kind of time I'll have with all these logistics and caring for the kids, but I'd be happy to trade emails for a few weeks or months while you figure out what you want to do, Duke offered. Let's do it, Teresa said, brazenly stealing Duke's go-to catchphrase. Now this week would have been about when Teresa's next session would have fallen, so she had typed out a message to Duke over the previous weekend. She shared some work updates, some personal updates, some emotional honesty, Teresa had really come to lean on Duke's style of interrogatory dialogue, so it was strange to try to free-write some updates rather than talking through them with an active listener. Nonetheless, she wanted to take him up on this offer and make a good-faith effort to stay in touch while she figured out where to turn for spiritual direction. She laughed as she clicked the bolded reply because she had titled the thread subject, Let's Do It. The new message popped open, and she began to read. Teresa, thanks for writing. Sorry, I can't be more timely with my replies, but I wanted to be sure I went for quality, even if not quantity. I'm just going to throw a handful of pasta at the wall. I hope some of it sticks. With work, you have the right attitude. Sit back a little. Learn a lot. Step forward and intervene selectively. I'd love to know more about the feel. When you process a check request and update a budget, what's it like? When you counsel a teacher on how to select club officers, how is your heart? When you decide to review and reform eligibility guidelines with teachers and coaches and deans and admins, what's the mix of emotions? That's where you'll find the continued growth mindset, the priorities for prayer, and the way to find the presence and peace. With personal life, it seems like you're approaching the cliff. Your patience and humility and trust have been so robust for so long, you deserve great kudos and admiration for that. But heavier emotions are sure to impinge at some point. Having such clarity and insight on your invitation to parenthood and then having such a long and uncertain path toward it will surely challenge your heart. 
John continues to sound amazing, so sorry to have never met him, and I just encourage you to keep your metaphorical triangle tight and at the front of your mind. What brings you closer to God should bring you closer to him, and I'd hope and pray the same for him with you too. Self-honesty to your emotions, confrontation of, presence with, and processing through will keep you solid. I'm sad and sorry that the road ahead is cloudy, and I know you know that there's still a path ahead, even if it's within a fog. Before I wrap this up, I have a lead for you. At my parish, I got to meet a woman in formation. She had spent a few years going in and out of discernment with a woman's community. At one point, her formation director connected us and asked if I'd just meet her and talk with her once to give her a fresh take. She thought God was inviting her to religious life, but she was fixed on some self-doubt. We had a great conversation and we worked through how some of the pitfalls are very natural and even an opportunity for grace. She's amazing. I heard that she just finished novitiate and took first vows, and guess what? They made an arrangement to give her a partial pastoral placement at your school. I guess Father James got enlisted to teach too. She's going to backstop some of the pastoral presence around campus now that he's teaching, but he'll keep the chaplain's seat on the board. Keep an eye out for her. I think you'd click. Her name's Sister Laura. Bless up, Duke. Teresa was delighted. For whatever reason, she had drummed up some hesitancy about writing to Duke. Intellectually, she knew it was worthwhile, that he'd have great insights to share, even if an email from afar and that she should just sit down and write to him. Yet, she still struggled to break the seal and do it. Reading this reply was an enormous affirmation. Even in passive direction, Duke helped unpack everything in a unique and supplemental way to what her husband and friends could do, and she was reveling in the pre-introduction to Sister Laura. What a palate cleanser. We'll get back to the book shortly, but first, sometimes Sunday Mass is just what we need. At least for the first 50 minutes or so. Why do some Sunday Masses just drag on and on? For the antsy Catholic with places to be, it's Mass a la carte. Just take a few minutes while you're getting ready for church to place your order. Want to skip the procession? Toss the sung Gloria for a spoken prayer? Randomly skip the second reading for pastoral reasons? Drop in a short pre-recorded bishop's homily with no add-on from the celebrant? Mix gift bearers coming from the congregation in favor of a quick altar prep? Acknowledge that no one listens to announcements and just skip over them. Tell the priest not to bother with processing out since he'll already be in the parking lot. Or even just choose, skip it all to hell, to choose the full express service. Mass a la carte, the solution for the Catholic who just can't handle another baptism at a Sunday Mass. I'm not on Instagram, and I'm a selective poster and moderate lurker on Facebook where I share the Restless Heart blog posts. But I'm most active on Twitter, where I actually really enjoy the Catholic presence of many thoughtful and faithful people. I want to recommend a few of my favorite follows to you here. This week, I invite you to follow Carrie White. Carrie tweets at MNMonster11. That's M-N-M-O-N-S-T-E-R-1-1. Carrie is the director of campus ministry at St. Edward High School in Lakewood, Ohio. Carrie has also laid a lot of the groundwork for the national network of Catholic high school campus ministers and theology teachers which continues to thrive through a Facebook page supported by NFCM and influenced by NCEA. Carrie and I also co-authored a guidebook on Catholic high school campus ministry through NCEA called Cultivating Faith. Carrie's feed is a good place to catch some tidbits of campus ministry life, as well as glimpses of the good happening among that national network of professional development and collegial support. Follow Carrie White at MNMonster11, M-N-M-O-N-S-T-E-R-1-1. Teresa was now a bit more reset and ready to swap over to her work inbox. She'd write back to Duke later. Sure enough, a few new emails were waiting for her, 
and she started to work her way through them to draw out a fresh to-do list for the morning. After that, she took some time to zoom out. She had combed through the stipends and budget stocks to build out a live list of moderators, and she was trying to have a face-to-face conversation with each of them, specifically about their club and their plans for the year. It wasn't meant to be especially productive. She just felt strongly about having that first face-to-face chat to build a foundational sense of everything herself, rather than going off secondhand knowledge or hearsay. As she reviewed that list, she picked off a handful of adults who she hadn't seen on this basis yet and composed fresh emails to each of them to set up a meeting or learn windows of time when she could drop by to see them. She tried as much as possible to go to them. As a teacher, she always appreciated when the less intense business was handled by visits rather than summons. She wanted badly to be present, visible, and accessible. Just as she was wrapping up the last of these messages, she noticed Jess and Pete in her doorway. It seemed they had been there for a bit. She's in the zone, Pete whispered. Shh, Jess snipped. Let her finish, Pete chortled. How long have you been standing there, children? Teresa asked without looking up. Long enough, Pete replied. Please sit down, Teresa laughed. How are you, Jess asked. Coming off a good stretch of work there, organized, efficient, productive. Felt like something important and worthwhile getting started, Teresa explained. Good time, good mood to stop and enjoy lunch. How are you guys? We're doing okay. Freshman retreat is done, so today is the calm after the storm, doing some post-game analysis, filling up our hallowed notes for next year doc to file away for 10 months from now, Pete explained. We've got a good rhythm with retaining and tweaking strong parts and then scrutinizing and sometimes even tossing and replacing the stuff that's too shaky, Jess added. I kind of enjoy the post-mortem phase, so I'm dragging Pete through the autopsy today. Teresa really enjoyed their weekly lunch. Pete and Jess were fairly close to her in age, experience, and approach, and they were in a similar role administrative in duties, but not quite of the caliber of a principal or dean. The three of them were heavily overlapped in seeking students out, learning their gifts, and empowering them with invitation and affirmation. They could commiserate over being busy and ragged, as well as team up in bringing students to experiences and opportunities that helped them learn about themselves, others, and God. On a personal note, as the three of them had gotten closer, and as their standing lunch in Teresa's office became a thing, Teresa had invited them to the inside of her motherhood journey. Infertility, or whatever was going on, was a challenging issue in so many ways, and as much as she loved John and his diligence in walking this path, it helped her a lot to have confidants at work. Pete and Jess were especially helpful since their Catholicism was as important to them as Teresa's faith was to her. She wasn't interested in sharing the struggle with someone only to have them guffaw when she said she wasn't interested in things like in vitro fertilization. Plus, Pete and Jess were funny, and Teresa enjoyed funny. How was your weekend, Pete asked. John and I are starting to look for doctors, specialists, Teresa explained. We want to try really hard to find the right person in our search, so we're not wasting time at appointments with doctors who don't respect the limits on the range of interventions we'd consider. Really, we're just trying to find our way to a Catholic specialist, or at least someone familiar with Catholics. You know, let me talk to my sister. She got married last year, and she and her husband worked with a natural family planning instructor. I thought I remember her saying that their instructor had some connections, some people she'd recommend for prenatal care and stuff, even OBs and surgeons. Jess suggested. Teresa's eyes widened. That sounds amazing. Yes, please. Give her my number or CC me in an email or whatever. I would be so appreciative, Teresa gushed. Ah, it's just been interesting. I've been able to keep pretty low-key, pretty patient and relaxed about this, and I just feel like a bad doctor visit to an ignorant provider could just really set me off. It'd be a godsend if she had someone we could see. My primary doctor helped run down some basic stuff I could try, but we're ready for some more specialized attention. Well, we'll pray for you. Keep praying for you, Pete replied. And actually, I could use your prayers too. Teresa was filing off a quick text to John about this lead on a doctor. 
She finished it more quickly, hit send, and tilted her head a little with intrigue as she set her phone face down. Jess turned her head without rotating her shoulders to pay closer attention. I'm going to do a come and see weekend with the diocese, Pete admitted through a clenched grin. Teresa and Jess were smiling and nodding and curling their lips with curiosity, but they wanted to let Pete talk and waited to ask questions. It's one of those things, you know? Every time I think it's passed, a little spark is still smoldering in the fire and catches again. So this time, I'm going to try immersing it in a little bit. There's a weekend next month. You go for a talk and dinner and prayer at the seminary on Friday night and stay over. On Saturday morning, you do prayer with a bunch of diocesan guys, and then you get sent off with one of them to their parish for an overnight and for weekend ministry and liturgy, Pete explained. I'm kind of excited. That sounds like a lot of fun, Jess exclaimed. Good for you, man, Teresa added. Sounds like a good way to scratch the itch a little bit. Thanks, guys. I'm keeping it fairly quiet. I mean, Francis knows because I'll take that Friday off, but of course she was cool with it, Pete said. I know that sound vacation doesn't get discerned negatively, but I never thought I'd be in campus ministry this long, and I know I'm not meant to be in it forever. The antiness about my work is part of the puzzle, I think, so I'm going to put it all to closer scrutiny. Just then, Pete's phone buzzed on the table. A split second later, Jess's phone vibrated, too. As Pete looked at the lock screen preview, Jess was unlocking hers to read the text. Oh, nice. Actually, great timing, Jess said. I'll be right back. Jess got up and left the office. As Pete watched her leave, Teresa asked, Group text? Pete unlocked his phone and smiled. We have a visitor today, and she just arrived. Jess must be meeting her for sign-in. Is this our new associate chaplain? Teresa cut in with excitement. How did Pete started, then stopped and raised an eyebrow? So the text was from... But he stopped short again. Jess was already walking in with Sister Laura. The good sister was dressed in business casual clothes, but sported a beautiful gleaming new gold crucifix necklace. As they walked in, Pete and Teresa stood up. Laura, this is Teresa. She teaches some social studies like Jess, but she's also director of student life, Pete said, gesturing to Teresa. Teresa extended her hand to Laura. So nice to meet you. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Take a seat. Thank you. Nice to meet you too, Laura replied. Did Duke sell me out to you? Pete and Jess looked to Teresa with uncertainty. Yes, Teresa said. Then she turned toward Pete and Jess and explained, Duke is my spiritual director. He crossed paths with Laura on her way to vows. He helped me a ton through a time of self-doubt, and he helped me repurpose my skepticism and questions as a positive, Laura explained. With Laura making them a party of four, their conversation gravitated toward getting to know her and learning about her. Laura was delighted to get this position. She loved high school ministry, having taught high schoolers as a post-grad volunteer. She was excited to be a witness of religious life to the students and to be an example of prayer and faith and school leadership as a young woman. It was clear that she was personable, down-to-earth, and wonderfully present. Yet they could tell she was not to be kicked around. She had a subtle edge to her, a quiet self-confidence. They had worked in the school long enough to know that people aren't always what they seem at first impressions. But something about Sister Laura suggested that what you see is what you get, and in a very good way. As the allotted lunch hour for Pete, Jess, and Teresa was almost up, Jess asked Laura if she was working on anything special, early in religious life, thinking of other religious who started master's degrees or added a certification or license for their placement. Laura explained, I actually started and completed most of my work toward a spiritual direction certificate before and during formation, and I'd love to be able to use it with the students as well as the faculty and staff. I believe I'll complete the certificate and receive my approval by mid-year. Teresa's ears perked up. She wondered if Duke knew Laura was becoming a director or not. Either way, Teresa was intrigued. It might be a little unusual to share a workplace with one spiritual director, but to have come across a freshly professed sister with freshly trained skills was quite the find. 
I wouldn't mind being an early adopter of that service, Teresa volunteered. Please keep me in mind when you're ready to begin offering that. Sister Laura smiled earnestly. I most certainly will. And I'm glad to have started my first visit here in your office, Teresa. You're a delightful host with a wonderfully hospitable office. The bar is set high. Pete and Jess nodded in agreement as Jess said, well, we better be off. Laura, you can join us over in the ministry office. See you, Teresa. As the three of them left, Teresa was feeling good. She watched Laura follow them down the hall and briefly imagined sitting with the sister in spiritual direction. Let's do it, she thought. Well, that's all for this week. Remember, if you want to grab a paperback copy of the book, visit my link tree at linktr.ee slash danmasterton. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash danmasterton. Just follow the directions and complete the form, and I'll send your copy. You can also check out my other writing there. Finally, thank you for listening. May God bless you and all our Catholic school communities. And to you and your prayers and toasts, hear, here. The guitar instrumentals on this podcast are improvised and performed by Jason Pham. This book and podcast are copyright Dan Masterton 2021, all rights reserved.